Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on July the 26th, 2022. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, Moose. Hey, leave my dog out of this, and I'm Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we will be discussing our July Game Club, which is the Hunter Call of the Wild. We will reveal to you our next Game Club game. Chinese gamers are using Steam wallpaper app to get porn past the censors. Xbox becomes the first game console to formally support Discord voice chat. Fall Guys players forced to auto-buy items are reportedly being denied refunds. Evolve Stage 2 is back from the dead as peer-to-peer servers come back online. And the first NFT game console has been announced. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. We're here this week. Yeah. Now, now, the thing is, will we be here next week? Because Tuesdays have been cursed. Only time will tell. I, you know why I wasn't available last Tuesday. I don't think anybody else knows, and I'm not going to say. It was family drama on my wife's side, but I'm not going to go into the specifics. Just she needed some support, mm-hmm. and I will, you know, leave it at that. Uh, oh, it's, wow. It's nasty. She did. Unfortunately, she did not need that kind of support. She uh, needed wine and chocolate and hugs, all of which I provided. Also, someone to listen to her scream, but not scream at me. Scream about other people <laughs> at me. Yeah. But oh my! Sometimes that's that. That's how it be. How are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. Nothing too crazy uh, in the past week because right. Yeah. Well, uh, not going to waste any time since it's 1030 and I've already wasted a bunch of time on other things. Um, Let's just dive on in to Game Club. For anyone who happens to be joining us for their first ever Game Club. Hello. Welcome. Uh, Game Club is what, a way. Did you actually do some marketing for once? I don't think so, but you never know. Um, I do plug our show on the tabletop streams that I do, but I, I don't I don't know how many people that actually brings in. They get a few viewers, so maybe. Hello, people, if you're joining us. Yeah, uh, Game might Club. be time for uh, a Google uh, thing again, huh? Anyway, Game, Game Club. Indeed. Game Club, though, is uh, the time and place where the two of us are guaranteed to play the same game at the same time, and we invite the audience to do so and participate in a conversation with us, either by sending things in or just by messaging a lot on the Discord, which happened with this one. Um, as mentioned at the top of the show, July's Game Club was The Hunter, Call of the Wild. It was, well, I mean, it still is at time of recording, but, you know, when we announced it, it was available to play on Xbox Game Pass, uh, and then you could buy it during the Steam sale with all of its DLC for something like $45. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of DLC. You get a lot of stuff for that. Yeah, I would say that you don't need all the DLC, but we'll get into that when we get into the proper game. Uh, uh, there was a Humble Bundle a few months ago where it was a complete pack the time for like 15 bucks. So that's what I got into. Yeah. And then I bought the Steam when it was on sale on Steam. 
Um, but yeah, it is a hunting game. It's an open world ish hunting game. There are several very large maps. There are, uh, each map has got a set of story missions that you can follow that sort of, uh, help you to explore the map. They serve also as introduction to certain gameplay mechanics, pseudo tutorials. Um, but for the most part, they just add some context to the world that you're, you're tromping around in. Um, and yeah. I don't. I don't really know where to start on this one because normally it's well, like here's the story. Let's talk about let, let's talk about gameplay mechanics. Let's start there. This yeah, is a hunting uh, game. It's a first person shooter, um, in that essence, but it's not fast paced. In fact, you don't want to run most of the time because you'll right. spook all of the critters. Yeah, this is realistic ish. Yeah, I, I want to call it like a simcade almost. Because it's, you know, they don't go for a hardcore bullet drop and everything. But there is some element there, you know? Uh, yeah, there uh, are. Especially if you're bow hunting, which you know all too well about. <laughs> yes. I will say, actually, do for for the listeners, do you have any experience hunting in real life? Uh, I don't have experience hunting in real life. I have played quite a few hunting games, and I have taken a hunter safety class and mixed in with that. It also talks about hunting in general. So kind of, you know, no, but yes. Right. Yeah. So I too have played quite a few hunting games, although I think you've played more hunting games than I have, but I used to hunt fairly frequently, two, three times a year, all through um, elementary, middle high school, the last time I went hunting, I was 23, I believe, 22, 23. So within, you know, the last 10 years, certainly a lot has, I'm sure, changed in the hunting world. But the general feel of it never changed throughout my life that I can remember. So I do have a decent amount of experience hunting in real life. And I have to say, of all of the hunting games that I've played I've never played any that call themselves like hardcore, like sim hunters. I'm sure those exist, but this is the one that I've played that's in the most quote unquote sim like. But it gets a good deal right. I mean, obviously, video games can't compare to real life in in that way. Like you know, shooting a gun in a video game is not like shooting a gun in real life. Harvesting animals in a video game is not like harvesting animals Definitely in real not, life. Right? <laughs> yeah, but. They get a good amount of realism, this idea of like you're tromping through the woods or whatever, you're trying not to startle game, or you're sitting and waiting for a while if you're doing, you know, ambush hunting from a deer stand or some other type of hunting blind, uh, like a tree stand or things like that. Um, you know, you're waiting for a while, and then that moment of like, okay, is is the the, the creature I'm about to shoot in range? Can I hit it? Is there going to be inter- any interference? You shoot, and either you hit it, and it goes down, or you can see that you hit it, and it starts running, or you miss completely, and you startled everything, and you're like, well, fuck. You know, like, it gets those elements right, but then it's not so realistic that if you shoot and miss, you just ruined the rest of your day, because animals are not going to come that way for the next several hours, because of the big, scary, loud sound. Yeah, I mean, there is time compression. An hour in game is about 15-ish minutes. Yeah. But if you sit there and wait long enough, assuming you didn't blow out the hunting uh, uh, zone with or the uh, yeah the 
needs end with hunting pressure, which we'll get onto that later. Uh, animals will eventually return, assuming it's still you know, that time of the day, because animals will go to different areas for different things during the day, depending on the species. Yeah. So, uh, do how do we want to approach this? <laughs> because right, right. So let's <laughs> let's talk about the process of hunting. Um, I mean, there's two very broad categories of hunting. There's stalking, or st- you know, um, stalking and ambushing. Stalking is you're you know you're walking through the woods or whatever your terrain is. You're trying not to startle an animal. You sneak up on them. You shoot them. You kill them. And ambushing is that you wait for them to come to you and you kill them. Most mm. of the gameplay mechanics intermingle. So you know if we say stalking or ambushing, just know that you know we're leaning more into one of those types of hunting. But most of the gameplay mechanics are interchangeable. So you have. Um, let's, let's talk about am, am, gameplay mechanics, the, the tools that you have, the way that you hunt, um, and the way that need zones and animal yeah, behavior I, works a little more deeply. Yeah, I tended to go more for a stalking style, but if I got in a position, I would try to lure them in to almost an ambush uh, style with, uh, lures. I never really did scent hunting, so that's kind of the other thing about ambush hunting is that you could put down a scent and let it, you know, try to draw uh, some species in. There's not only a handful that actually have scents in the game. Yeah. Uh, to you. So I would, you know, if I'm going on a map that I know, you know, has like, uh, well, let's take Mississippi as an example. And we'll get into the particulars of each map later on. Uh, I would take like uh, a... Uh, uh, you know, one of the wild boar callers for the feral uh, hogs. Uh, maybe a raccoon caller if I have a gun for it, which we'll get into that as well. Uh, uh, maybe a a uh, deer caller if once again I'm in an area where deer uh, get, uh, deer are because individual maps have their species in different places, so. If you're like, I'll use my example of Mississippi. There's like deer in the lower portion of the map with uh, turkeys intermingled there as well. But as you push up further north in the map, you start running into more like feral hog packs and alligators. And, you know, it makes it so that the hunt kind of is dictated not just where you are as a reserve, but also where you are in that reserve. And while you can fast travel in between certain parts of it, you know, you're still limited by you know, what you have there, right? Yeah. So, uh, I would, you know, if I come up across an opportunity where, like, you know, a feral pig is doing out a baiting call, well, great, they haven't spotted me and ran off. That's a first. <laughs> right? Because some animals are very, very prone to spooking. You know, keen senses. And uh, some of the maps are a lot harder to stalk around. Uh, I'll use a lure to try to lure them in closer so I can get a clean kill. And that's the essence of the game is humane harvesting of animals. You have to get 
a proper kill on an animal in, in order for it to count. Which the game requires uh, four checks to uh, complete. The proper animal, which each or the proper ammo, which each animal has a particular class, that mostly depending on their size. Uh, the bigger the animal, essentially, the larger the uh, ammo required to kill it. And if you overkill an animal, and you have, you know, you're like taking a seven millimeter rifle and blowing a bunny's head off, that's not ethical. <laughs> No, right. Although I have done things like that on many occasions. Yeah, that snapshot of uh, oh crap, I had the wrong uh, weapon equipped, or yeah, I'm not gonna have time, and I need the money, right? Yeah, either I get the kill to get the payout for it, or I try to switch weapons and probably lose the animal. Yeah, and there's non different uh, weight classes essentially, and not all the uh, different classes are represented on each map. So it's also partly. Uh, Talking out the map, or just you know, looking it up online to figure out what to take with you. And some guns have multiple ammos that you could take, especially shotguns, to uh, cover multiple classes. Or, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, uh, uh, go ahead. I, I was going to say, before we, you know, talk about guns, you mentioned animal need zones earlier. So each huh. animal, to kind of, you know, kind of finish explaining, I guess, the core mechanics, each animal has got three different types of need zones. They have a feeding zone, a resting zone, and then a, a drinking zone or a, you know, a watering hole. Which, which not all animals have a drinking zone. Uh, rabbits, they changed recently. Uh, on some maps, do not have a drinking zone. I didn't actually realize that. Good to know, I guess. But, um, you know, so whenever you as a hunter discover need zones for animals, you it gives you a, a few pieces of information, which you can get more info as you level up your hunting hunter skills. Like this is a has RPG elements where that as your hunter level rises, you can spend skill points and perk points to improve your hunter in some way. Either get more information from when you're tracking an animal or better use of your weapons, or other other things like that. You know, there's a good variety. Um, but anyways, you find a need zone, and it will give you a few pieces of information. Um, for example, what type of zone it is, what animal it's for. You can look on the map. Well, I, you can see when you inspect it, but it's easiest to see on the map, and see what approximate time animals are going to be there. And then how many animals, although I don't know if that's an upgrade. I think that's an upgrade. I, okay. I'm pretty sure that's one of the upgrades. Uh, okay. Uh, there, there's two different trees, which we'll, we can get into later. Uh, there's a lot to cover with this game, mechanics-wise. Uh, and one of them is inspecting tracks uh, as you level it up gives you more and more information. Uh, like, it tells you how hard an animal is if you're following a blood trail. tells you the gender of the animal. can tell you... If you have enough points in it and further down the tree, uh, the, the uh, possibly the fur pattern, which there's rare fur patterns that will pop up occasionally, uh, with some of them having like a one in 200 chance. Yeah. Then the, there's, uh, 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 like you said, looking at a deed zone, it'll tell you the number of animals. So you can see, okay, this deed zone has like, Six white-tailed deer that go to it at, let's say, uh, from 10 in the morning to uh, 
two in the afternoon. Well, if I set up a ambush here, or I, or if it's in a bad spot, I know that they're going to be traveling in this area before and after that time. And it's not exactly on the dot either. It's not like, uh, yeah, the the lunch rush. It, <laughs> they show up immediately at like ten o'clock on the dot, right? There's yeah. like a uh, the two uh, and the joining of need zones blur. So yeah, like if you're going from a feeding uh, to a drinking uh, need zone, you'll see them start to filter in around that time. So you'll be able to figure out, okay, well they're going to be in this area. I can set up over here. Uh, in this uh, nice field that has a uh, a good line of sight between the feeding zone and the drinking zone, and be able to pick them off before they get to that uh, need zone, and not put hunting pressure directly on that need zone, so I don't delete it. And that's the big thing about this game, is managing your hunting pressure. If you put, uh, without hunting structures, three levels of hunting pressure... It deletes need zones, which means that you have to go hunting for uh, need zones again. Yeah. If you put up a hunter's blind, uh, actually, I'm not sure if the blinds work, but I know the tripods do, and uh, from the DLC, and the tree stands do, as well as the stationary hunting structures that you can pay in-game money for. When you say Uh, when you put up a hunter's blind, are you talking about the ones that you build with uh, money? uh, no, uh, no, I was about to say, uh, those do uh, block uh, hunting pressure. Yeah. I'm, I'm, well, I'm they don't reduce it. I'm talking about the you know, little, like, bird blondes. Oh, yeah, no, they all count. Okay, I wasn't sure about that. Because last uh, last time I used the bird blonde, I was uh, goose hunting, and geese uh, build up pressure quickly because, right? Yeah. Uh, but I was actually talking about the uh, harvest checks, and... We got way off track. So, uh, in order to properly harvest an animal, you not only have to do it the proper class of ammo, you have to shoot them two times or fewer. So you can't you know, go there and unle- uh, unleash a clip into Bambi, right? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Bambi. <laughs> uh, you have to have the trophy organs intact which uh that depends on the animal it's usually uh if it has a horn or it's uh, antlers or the horn or the skull because right this is trophy hunting for the most part uh and you have to hit one or more vital organs which the definition of vital organs is that that's the one that I always have the kind of well, I shot you in the intestines, right? Yeah. How is that? Like, you, you, this killed you. Like, I shot you. Like, if I ever got a gut shot, guaranteed death. You might have to track them for a while, but guaranteed death. I mean, I think it's more the fact that it's going to be a slow, agonizing death compared to, you know, shooting them in the lung and they bleed out, you know, within, you know, a minute or two, right? Yeah. So you have to get all those in order to get. The best possible metal, which is based off the trophy rating, which each individual species has different trophy ratings, uh, varying from no trophy, which is sometimes the just the females of a species, or too low a trophy rating. 
all the way up to the Great One, which is only in some species. The Great Ones are the ultra-rare spawns in this game. Have unique uh, pa- uh, fur patterns. They have the AI turned up all the way, so they're very skittish. They're very attentive. And it, I did not see a Great One at all in my like 100 hours of playing on and off in the last few months. I found an alligator when I was gator hunting that was listed as being mythic. Uh, there's, I don't think there's a great one gator. Okay. Uh, great, great ones are limited to certain species. Okay. Well, I mean, I had just got the, the skill upgrade that gives you more information, like the trophy information whenever you um, tag an animal um, with your mm-hmm. binoculars. And I, I tagged one, and it said mythic, and it was like over a thousand pounds. And I tried to kill it; I didn't even kill that one. But. Yeah, there. Uh, it's basically one above uh, diamond, and diamond is a one percent chance of uh, spawning on any particular map. I, I think it's moose, white-tailed deer, black bear, and I think there's a couple other species. There's only a handful that have them so far, and like I said, they are unique. <laughs> Like yeah. the like the moose has like you know, a ivy growing in its uh, antlers. The white-tailed deer it just has this ob- obnoxiously large rack. Yeah, it's the Dolly Parton of deer. You know, huge rack. E- uh, the bear has like uh, one of like five special fur c- uh, uh, collars, and people just grind for these. You know, killing thousands of animals looking for it. It's essentially uh, shining, uh, shining hunting, you know? Yeah. Which, uh, hint there. Um, I see what you did there. Yeah. Well, the others we'll see there uh, uh, in a bit. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of the name of the game is, you know, going through, getting animals, trying to get, you know, uh, golds or diamonds, depending on the species. Because not all species, I think, have diamonds either. I could be mistaken on that one. And trying to fill out your trophy lodge, assuming that you have the DLC, which kind of brings us into kind of the Achilles heel of this game. Yeah, there's a lot of DLC. And a lot of almost required DLC. So you spent, what was it, 45 bucks on sale? Yeah, um, and the... I got the base game and all of the DLC, except for the one that just came out. Yeah, which I bought to be able to go on if you want to have a hunting trip on there sometime. Um, they have a bundle to have the entire thing, and it is a hundred. Oh, sorry. Uh, the complete bundle is trying to find it on here because okay. Uh, the complete bundle is. I can't actually see it because it's. The complete bundle is $135.76. No, I I was talking about the bundle discount, because there is bundles at discount. That's uh, without any discounts. It's buying it piecemeal. Yeah. And there's a lot of DLC that I would consider practically required. All but two of the maps are uh, DLC. Uh, The two base game maps are, you know, obviously... As you accidentally start the game. Oh, God, I did. Yeah, I did accidentally start the game. I was looking at the DLC, and I uh, clicked. Uh, the game comes with two uh, uh, reserves, and all the reserves are roughly 
the same size ish. Uh, there was actually a uh, thread somewhere that I was looking at that was like uh, the difference on sizes of the reserves, not counting inaccessible areas within the reserves, like you know, a giant lake or something, right? Yeah. Uh, it's like between 60 and 65 square kilometers. And believe me, the game makes you feel every single square meter of that. Because you do move slowly, and whenever the game says that, okay, well, walking time to that is 45 minutes, it's 45 minutes real time. Yeah. If you do not have a fast travel or the ATV, which is a DLC. Yeah. The only... If you're not going to buy any of the maps, which I don't know why you wouldn't, like if you're going to get into the DLC and get into this game, the maps are amazing. But if you're not going to buy the maps, the only DLC that I think is required is the hunting dogs. I, I would disagree with that. I would say the hunting dog and uh, the... Duh, duh, duh. Now I'm trying to find it on here to make sure I get get the right one. The uh, the tree standard tripod pack to be able to put up your own. Uh, oh, in uh, in the tents. Um, the, the tents are helpful. I wouldn't say that they're required. The tents let you set up your own fast travel spots around the map, but it also gives you access to uh, also the cash and the in-game store where you could buy more ammo and swap out uh, weapons. Yeah. So, uh, but the thing is that this runs on essentially, well, like tabletop simulator-esque rules where you could go into multiplayer and play on any of the maps. As long as the host owns the map, you can play on that map. So if you want to try out uh, the maps, you could go on multiplayer and you know, get a feel for it. I will say that you will uh, suffer a bit because you would not have any of the fast travel points, so you'll be stuck essentially in the beginner's area of the map. I'm not sure if the I'm, host I'm, has I'm, a tent. Yeah, I was going to say, unless the host has a tent. I'm not, but I was also going to say, I'm not sure if you discover a fast travel point, if you do not own the map, if you go to another session, if you retain that fast travel point. We're going to have to test that at some point. Yeah, we should test that, actually. I do, like, if, so whenever you join a person's map, if you own the map, at least, you don't get anything that they have from the start, but anything that you unlock transfers over to your single player. It Whenever you either start that map later in single player or come back to it, anything that you had previously that you bring to the map, air quotes, or that you do comes back to your single player map, which I think is pretty neat. Um, I, I like that. Because there were there was like I would just run around on the maps and like unlock stuff for when I'd come back in single player. Whenever we played multiplayer and you dropped like I dropped into a map I hadn't played before, I would just wander around. And I mean, you know, I would I would do stock uh, stocking, but I would also just go and hit up um, the various hunting lodges and uh, lookout points so that I could unlock stuff for when I come back in single player. Yeah, and, and also, that really helped me on my progress on the Yukon and the Lake District. Yeah, and also, like, whenever uh, we'd be wrapping up for the evening, if, uh, like, last Sunday when we were playing, uh, towards the end of it, you know, I would just hop on the ATV and start uh, going around grabbing, uh, uh, you know, points that I don't have on that particular map. 
because, you know, I don't care about scaring the animals at that point because, you know, I don't want to get caught in, you know, uh, following a blood trail for, you know, two miles. And yes, that actually did happen a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, if not following the blood trail, you know, entering an animal, then following its tracks to try to take it down. Yeah. Uh, um, I will say that the ATV isn't a requirement, but it is very, 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 very nice to have. But that's also a DLC. Yeah, the ATV is really nice for Th- both this is... exploring and if you're just going to knock out all of the missions on a map. So, segue. Mm-hmm. Um, each of the maps has got at least one series of missions. Some of them have multiples. For example, one of the two starter maps, Hirschfelden, um, has got one set of missions that serve as the, you know, the narrative for the the area to prompt you to explore and tasks you can complete. And then it's got a separate set of missions where they're working with a photographer, which I guess also serves as a tutorial for the photo mode in the game, but whether you're tasked with photographing animals instead of just hunting them. Um, and they're, they're two separate mission tracks. Um, but they all, all of the missions do a little bit of narrative to set up the location. I don't think any of these are real life locations. I've looked for a couple of them on the Googles and they are at least the ones that I've looked for are wholly created for the game, but the regions Uh, that they exist in are real. So you get a little bit of area or uh, sorry, a little bit of context for the region that you're in, be it Europe or Mexico or the American South or, you know, the, the game takes you to quite a few places around the world. So you, you get some basic information about the region and then some cultural history for whatever region you're in from the missions, as well as exploration points on the map that you can find. Um, and then they ask you to complete a series of tasks, which utilize the normal game mechanics and, uh, perhaps some extended way or push you to do something that's challenging some of that those challenges vary wildly um i'll talk about that in a second but you know for using your sort of quote-unquote hunter senses to track things like you might be tracking human footprints or you might be tracking tire tracks depending on the mission on on you know whichever map it is then you might be doing taking photographs of things, both the mission and Hirschfelden for photographing animals. There are some other missions that task you with photographing things that you find. Um, and they all tell coherent stories that everyone that I have gone through so far, I haven't completed all the missions for all the maps, but I've completed Silver Ridge Lake, the Savannah, and most of a couple of other maps. There's one that's in Mexico. I've completed about half of those missions, I believe. And I've completed about half of the missions for the um, Russian, uh, like sort of, you know, Siberia map. Um, There's a couple others that I've completed several. And then I've dipped my toes in in some others. Yeah, I was going to say, I've touched on... Uh, at least all the maps except for the Savannah, because I knew that's the one that you did the, or the last time I talked to you about what you've uh, been working on, that's the one that you said that you had the kind of the most time in. Yeah. So I deliberately ignored that one. Uh, I completed the Yukon's primary story. Uh, the Yukon actually has a couple uh, side stories on it as well. Uh. 
And I completed Mississippi, which is one of the newer maps, uh, which you can also kind of tell uh, whenever they have a map that's kind of attached to a major rework, it feels like there's more focus on the rework side of things and not so much the map. Like uh, Relatively Coast, uh, the latest map was uh, released in conjunction with a rework on the waterfowl, and uh, general birds. And there's... Oh, I, I did complete that story mission, now that I think about it, because there really isn't much of a story mission there. It's completed in a couple hours. And that one's just kind of just walking you through a giant loop with a couple side diversions. Yeah. Which is a little disappointing, but that... <sighs> I think it might have left a slightly bad taste in my mouth on that map. But also, the focus of that map is more small game and waterfowl. Which wasn't really what I was hunting at the time. So, I think we'll have to go to that one time to get a feel for that map. But whenever I'm not kind of distracted by, you know, the herd of moose. Instead of, you know, gearing up for the waterfowl hunting that I should be, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, all of the missions that I've encountered so far seem to deal with some type of environmentalism or conservation. Um, they all tend to have similar messages that, you know, uh, poaching and just in general harvesting animals for shits and giggles is not good or healthy or sustainable, that we need to work to conserve our environment if you are going to hunt hunt only for what you need and focus on being as ethical and humane as possible, which I like, you know, we, you and I talked about this a bit. I think it was on Sunday where I said that previous hunting games that I had played a lot of times focused on the spectacle of hunting and it would set up scenarios of like, Oh, you're on an African safari and something's got the wildlife upset and some lions attack your camp, kill all the lions. And like, that's fine. It's a video game. Like, you know, I'm okay if they want to do like a spectacle, like action movie, like Lions Attack. I mean, but it there is are, nice to play a game that takes all of this seriously. Uh, there are sometimes something pops up like that in some of the missions, but that's not the focus. That's what uh, I kind of like about this game. Yeah, I, I did want to say that. You know, this game isn't you know free of those moments, but it's not the focus of it. Yeah. Um, there's also, I'm wondering, I'm gonna, before I go look this up, I want to play through most or at least several of the maps in their entirety. I think there's some anthology elements going on. Um, there are multiple names that get reused or mentioned across multiple map, you know, mission loops. Um, and so, you know, I'm not sure if it's a joke or if there is some kind of connective tissue behind the scenes that, like, if you're paying attention, you can notice. I don't think but it's, there, like, some kind of, like, secret message or whatever, but... Uh, there are uh, a few maps that's actually directly interconnected. Uh, okay. I, I think Spain, Mexico, and New Zealand, which also happen to be three that, as of the recording this, are uh, at least partly bugged. Or sorry, uh, Spain and Mexico, or Spain and New Zealand are currently bugged. At least for me, there's a crashing issue due to either red deer or the goats on those maps. 
Yeah. And after the release of their latest DLC, they went on ho- on their summer holiday, so they are going to be putting on a patch to re- to fix it in the coming you know, like week or two. Yeah. You know, they, they did a couple stability patches uh, after the fact, and then, you know, yeah, it's their holiday, so... Mm. Yeah. I mean, there's other maps to deal with, so... It's not like the game's completely broken right now. And I, and I understand that, you know, this is an old game that's had a lot of support. This game originally released uh, five, six years ago now? Yeah, I think it was 2017. Yeah, 2017. Five years ago. Well, five and some change now. And it's seen a lot of updates and a lot of free content as well. We do promote the fact that there is a lot of paid DLC, and there is, but there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight pieces, or sorry, nine pieces of free DLC, plus multiple reworks. If you go back and look at some of the old uh, gods, uh, there's been a complete revamp of the trophy system. They added the true rack system, which makes it so that uh, animals with antlers have all unique antlers instead of using the same ones. Oh, that's neat. I didn't notice that. Yeah, all the antlers are procedurally generated. Uh, and uh, the score actually reflects the uh, generated antlers. So if you see a deer with an oddball uh, rack, uh, it you know, will have a score that reflects it. So if there's one that has a giant rack, you know, that's the one that you want to take out because, right? Absolutely. Um, uh, but yeah, there's been a lot of support. It's not been just you know, uh, you know, putting out DLC for DLC's sake. And they put out uh, about two reserves a year, usually in the uh, autumn and the early summer. So we kind of like caught it right at Game Club time when the latest one came out. Yeah, but they tend to also attack on major reworks onto those. So I'm actually impressed with the amount of support. Yes, I'm. Am I annoyed that uh, a map that I was really interested in uh, is a little bit crashy at the moment? Yeah, but I also understand that you know they've supported this game quite a bit. So I just yeah. went back to Mississippi and dealt with racism. <laughs> right. So the, on on the missions, I want to want to touch on challenge missions for a moment. So. You know, a a lot, I would say most of the missions involve a sprawling story for the map. Go here, do X or Y, um, maybe hunt some animals. There are several missions that are just hunt X animal. You don't have any particulars for it. But there are some missions that say, you know, hunt X number of animals in this region or hunt an animal and pass what's called the harvest check, which means you have to hit all four marks, um, which is which you mentioned earlier, the mm. ammo type, um, organ, preserving the trophy, and kill an animal in two or fewer shots. Um, and you, you might think that that sounds easy, but it can be extremely difficult for some especially of the Especially at range. Yeah, especially at range whenever you're... Uh, trying to down more skittish animals. So the Savannah has a couple of missions where that you have to down um, various um, 
gazelle species and pass the hunting check. Now, gazelle are very plentiful, so this isn't very difficult because you have a high volume of animals with which to hunt. So if you screw up, you're not spending, you know, minutes or hours even looking for your next animal. You just reset and try again. So it's not bad there. And on Mississippi, you have to do this with alligators, which I it took me a bit of time. I was struggling to get the organ uh, kill shot um, because alligators spend a good chunk of their time swimming. I had to find one that was basking in the sun that was not under the water. But once I, I did that, like the first time I found one, I got it. You know, some of them are absolutely ridiculous. There is one on one of the two starter maps, uh, Hirschfelden, where that you have to hunt a red fox with a bow, a, a specific bow. You can't use a crossbow. You have to use a either a recurve or or compound bow with a specific draw weight of 60 pounds. And you have to hunt this fox, uh, this red fox species. And I spent genuinely about four or five hours of real lifetime trying to hunt this fox with the bow and I could not do it. I only found one fox that I didn't spook to even get a chance to get a shot on it. And when I went to take my shot, it spooked and ran away and I missed. And that's very frustrating. One of the only frustrating moments I've had in the entire game. Um, yeah, and I hope that there are no other missions that are that bad, but I mean, you can Google Red Fox Hunter Call of the Wild mission or something like that. And you will find tons of like Reddit posts and Steam discussion board posts where people are like, dear God, please help me. How do I complete this mission? What am I doing wrong? And all of the responses are, you just have to get lucky. Yeah, uh, but that's also yeah, the original map and you know, their old design. Uh, Yukon has a couple annoying ones, uh, but they're all relegated to the side missions. Like the yeah. one I have right now is I have to harvest two dra- uh, two gray wolves downed using a bow or a crossbow. So not nearly as bad. Uh, and also, I'm looking at the side mission so I can see following up. Next is grizzly bears downed with a bow or a crossbow. Uh, the one I kind of struggled with there for a bit was the one before that was harvest the plains by and earning the quick uh, a full quick kill bonus, which is pretty much you have to do either a heart shot or get like a double lung, which I, I guess we should talk a little bit about the vital shots is that uh, the vitals isn't all the organs in the animal, <laughs> strangely enough, right? Yeah, it's. I believe, and they never really go into this, and the game kind of gives you a very loose sense on, at least Leighton Lakes. That's where I started. Of, you know, the idea of what a vital shot is, and how to track things, and yeah, it's like, okay, go off on your own. Which I eventually just started watching a few YouTube tutorials and uh, started researching things on my own. Uh, and my and uh, my idea of the vital organs, the liver, the lungs, and the heart, which is kind of uh, across all the animals, plus the brain. But usually, getting a brain shot destroys the trophy organs. So, don't, you know, headshots bad. Uh, the idea of 
getting a vital shot is killing something will make it so that it bleeds out quickly so it doesn't cause stress to the animal. And while shooting something in the stomach will eventually kill it, it's going to make it suffer. And that's kind of against the tone of the game. So they're yeah. trying to reward people making quick kills by hitting them where they bleed out quickly. And trying to do that on a plains bison is fucking difficult. Yeah. So... Well, I was going to say, because the bigger animals tend to last longer because they have more blood, right? Yeah. Yeah. Most most of your small birds, you know, will go down with one shot from anything, unless it's literally one pellet from birdshot. But... And even then, they'll probably eventually go down, and then you have to go trudge across the map to get them if you want to. Yeah. But, um... Okay. Let's talk about guns. Um... I don't know how many guns the base game has. It's got, I'm sure, plenty. But with all the DLC, there are a lot of firearms. And yeah, which bows. kind of, which does kind of break the progression, sort of, because uh, the idea is you take your starter gun and you grind for a bit to unlock the other guns. But with the DLC, you uh, have access to the uh, DLC guns, which are free, but you have to pay. More for ammo. Yeah. But they tend to be better weapons overall, except for some of the late game weapons. Um, but I mean, so the, your weapon categories are rifle, pistol, shotgun, and bow. And bow covers both crossbows and uh, compound or recurve bows. Um, and they, for the most part, do what you think of. Like, if you're familiar with firearms you know, you don't need the explanation of what these are. I mean, rifles are your rifles. They're long range, typically very high caliber bullets. Although there are smaller rifles uh, for 22 rounds that are designed for hunting small game like birds or, or rabbits um, at, a, at a decent distance, but you know, rifles, high caliber, long range, good stopping power. Um, use those to hunt most of your, your larger game. And you got shotguns, which are kind of your jack-of-all-trades weapons, depending on what ammunition you fire. There's buckshot, birdshot, and slugs. And for game purposes, IRL slugs, while they function a lot like rifle rounds, have different penetrative and stopping power capacities. But in-game, slugs tend to do exactly what rifle rounds do, just not quite over as long a distance. Buckshot shoots large pellets. Um, they're designed for hunting medium game. So, you know, deer, as long as they're not too large, wild hogs, exceptionally large birds like turkeys. Um, you can use them for fox hunting and stuff, although they tend to be overkill for foxes. And then yeah. birdshot, which are very tiny pellets that are used for shooting birds or very small game that tend to be hard to hit with single shots. Um, so it's a very widespread pattern of tiny, tiny pellets. Then you've got handguns, which for the most part serve as your backup weapon. Like if you do get, if you're being stalked by animals, which animals will stalk you, we haven't covered that, but certain animals like foxes or bears, uh, lions, wolves. That, wolves, wolves in the Yukon are really bad about it. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, I said foxes. It, I meant wolves. Yeah. Wolves are. Uh, uh, the game does sound design really well, and the wolves surrounding you and all growling, plus. If you have the Bloodhound, the Bloodhound kind of tips you off if you're being actively stalked by growling. Yeah. So you have that growling as well. 
Yeah. But so, you know, your handgun is like, let's say you've got a shotgun with, with bird shot, or maybe you've got a rifle um, with a, a, you know, a really long distance scope on it. And you realize you're being charged by a bear or stalked by wolves or bobcats or something, depending on the map. So, you know, you swap to your pistol and then you shoot it when it, you know, is, is stalking you, you know, maybe it charges you or it's circling you and you shoot it and kill it. There's a couple other pistols though. Um, there's a pistol that in real life is called the judge, which I love that you can shoot four ten shotgun shells out of. And so it can fire. It's a, it's a pistol that can shoot, but bird shot, which is handy. Actually. I like that. Um, and you know, the, the pistols come in various calibers, but most of them are designed to kill medium size game that that is charging at you um and then there are the bows um which can shoot all all of the bows can shoot different uh weighted arrows or bolts depending on whether it's a a bow versus a crossbow um that are designed to take down different games so one bow can take down anything from rabbits all the way up to you know bison and you just have to change out which arrow you're using but bows are difficult to use. They've got a much higher, much faster drop rate than bullets because they're not carrying as much kinetic energy. You can shoot crossbows like rifles with less range. And then standard bows are a whole other ball game that I've kind of gotten okay at using, practicing, trying to hunt a fox. Um, I can take down deer reliably at 50 or 60 yards with a, a bow. They're probably effective out to 100 yards if you know what you're doing. I'm not there yet, but you know, your a rifle round can some of the larger, um, you know, higher muzzle velocity rifles can shoot accurately and effectively beyond, you know, 400 yards. Um, like right out there at the maximum, like draw distance actually for animals and other creatures. Like you can reach out and touch something with some of the, the high caliber rifles. So the weapon design is really well done. I have handled a number of the firearms that exist in this game in real life. Um, For the most part, they're using off-branded names, but you can look at one and go, that's an AR-15. That's Some of the the historical weapons, I think, are the ones that um, get the actual names, like the Enfield 308 um, or the... um, Oh, no, no, it doesn't get the name Mosin-Nagant, I don't think, but it is the Mosin-Nagant. Like they've got a whole, you know, whole bevy of World War II rifles. You get your AR-15. You've got a 308 assault rifle. Um, there's a, a Ruger, both a Ruger handgun, the 22 uh, long rifle sporting handgun, and they've got a, a 22 um, actual rifle that shoots the the long rifle rounds. Um, you've got a Winchester model. What is that? A 1907? No, 1897. So you know, you get a lever action. Um, there's a couple of Smith and Wessons and Colt revolvers, but most of them are using off-brand names, I guess, because they don't want to pay licensing fees, which fair enough. But mm-hmm. I mean, anyone who likes guns can look at those and be like, ah, yes, that is this, and this is that. And as far as video game weapons go, they handle, I think, as close to real life as you can make a video game gun handle without going full like VR sim. You know, but but because they're going for hunting as opposed to military, you know, first person action shooter, guns are slower to handle and operate, which feels weird if you've never handled real firearms. Um, firearms are nowhere near as fast in in real life as they are in games, unless you are one of those, you know, the top 
like competition shooters that train for speed shooting or like military guys who, you know, do this day in and day out. Like handling firearms is a lot slower than it happens in video games. So it, it gets that feel right. They have recoil that feels realistic. You can get some perks that help with that. Um, yeah, uh, I've got quite a few perks. That basically, it hasn't removed, but it's significantly knocked down the recoil. Yeah. So it's able, uh, it's given me the ability to essentially double tap something if it's close enough. Yeah. Which um, uh, Jim saw that and he's like, how did you do that? Yeah. Because that had uh, enough perks on it that I was able to recover from recoil quickly enough before the deer I shot, uh, you know, got out of its you know, funny face uh, animation. Yeah. Probably with no perks, recoil is a little unrealistic. Um, but once you get sort of the first level of perk for that, and the perk that lets you reload a bolt action while you're still aimed down the sights, because that's an incredibly easy to do in real life for most firearms, um, to cycle a bolt while you're looking down the scope. Um, those two perks, and then it, it feels about like how I would expect, you know, a rifle to handle realistically. And then sort of the next level of perks is like, feels like you're, you know, you're an expert shooter. You're shooting all the time. You're handling these guns all the time. You know, that's, that's what it feels like. And it, as you can see, I'm gushing over this. Like as someone who really likes guns, who owns firearms, who shoots regularly, has been hunting before. I like the fire. Yeah, this is basically replaced the star runner for our, uh, uh, game date night for probably the foreseeable future. Yeah, I mean, I I want to keep hunting, you know, want to keep playing in multiplayer, which we have mentioned in passing, but we haven't really talked about. Granted, I mean, multiplayer just kind of stacks everything that we've talked about so far, except missions. You can't progress missions in multiplayer, but, you know, then you can go hunting with friends. Mm -hmm. And typically what we have done is we will just kind of go our separate ways and we'll chat and you know discuss what we're doing and and if we see something that we're definitely not going to be able to get mention it if there's somebody in that direction yeah and i totally understand if that is not appealing one of the big complaints from um you know our listeners who played and who uh talked about it quite a bit in in the chat this month um was that it it, it feels weird to kind of play multiplayer um you know you might as well just play single player and i i do get that um, I'm not saying that like that they're wrong or that's not the way to enjoy the game or whatever. I I do see like where that you could be more coordinated about it. You could hunt in the same areas. You could all do a bit of ambush hunting, which is a thing that we used to do. We would set up multiple deer blinds in a field that would kind of cover different angles of the field. And you know, this was in the days before uh, everyone had cell phones or smartphones, and even if you did, there was no signal out in the woods. And so you would like wave at each other, you know, like there's a deer over there, you know, you like wave and point, you know, that kind of thing. But hunting is a very solitary experience for the most part. And in, in at least the way that I have hunted. Yeah. Well, so, uh, that feels right to me, honestly. Yeah. Well, cube also mentioned, uh, and we'll, we could get into some other discussion from the uh, game club discussion. If you want, uh, that uh, that multiplayer also feels like a later on thing, and I will agree with that one, especially if early on doing the missions and even just cycling through the maps and doing the opening handful of missions gets you a lot of money 
And ammo is expensive in this game. They really punish you if you go out and just start blasting away randomly. Uh, and buying guns, uh, thankfully, you just have to do it once. Uh, assuming you know, you're not using any of the, the DLC packs of uh, guns. Uh, but the guns themselves can be very expensive if you know, they are very powerful. So there, that's where the primary progression is. I mean, you're looking at, uh, I think my, uh, well, knockoff AR-10 is what I use as my kind of go-to for classes four to eight. Yeah. Uh, I think a 10-pack t- of uh, uh, bullets is 800-some uh, in-game dollars or in-game bucks. Eh? Hey. Uh, but the thing is that, yeah, that's, yep. Uh, if I get one kill with pretty much anything in that uh, class range, uh, you know, it pays for itself. But even, you know, uh, like arrows are 500 to 700, depending on the type of arrow that you get. Uh, upwards yeah. of 1,000 per pack. Although there are perks for the uh, uh, the archery that lets you recycle arrows, which is interesting. I'm not sure how often it goes off, but... I um, haven't gotten that yet. No, I I intend to. I want to do some more bow hunting, but you haven't got it yet. the The AR ten is the one that the game calls the Zarza, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the I use the Moonlight variant, but yeah, that's just the white one. Uh, typically, on uh, at least the DLC packs, there's like two different variants that yeah, or two or three that's just cosmetic. Like the yeah. drilling rifle has three different ones. Which the drilling rifle is also the weird gun that I've encountered. Well, there, there's the drilling rifle, and there's one other one that I hadn't messed with that's also really weird. The air rifle. Yeah, I've wanted to try the pellet rifle, but I haven't yet. It's extremely close range, but it's almost completely silent. So if you get something up close, uh, you could just pick off an entire herd. Yeah. Um. Uh, but the drilling rifle, it, it's like the bastard child of a rifle and shotgun to the point that depending on which ammo you have selected, you're able to hold down, uh, reload and essentially flip a switch or yeah, uh, flip a switch, pull a different trigger, uh, uh, for it's shotgun, uh, shells, which it has two of, or it's uh rifle, uh, which it has one of. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the uh, rifle goes all the way up to class nine. Yeah. And it has an early, really good scope. In in game, you know, you hold reload and it, you know, flips a switch. In real life, that gun would have multiple triggers. Um, yeah. That is one thing. And I, you know, I understand they're not going for full sim hunting. So I haven't, like, gotten too upset about this. But I have mm-hmm. found myself wishing for more sort of weird gun variants that exist in real life where you can have for example a, a shotgun that has three different barrel sizes on it you know you might have a tw- uh, a 12 gauge a 16 a 16 gauge and a 410 barrel on the gun and you can have three different ammunitions loaded with three different triggers and you know that's just so that like if you're hunting in the woods and you have a target of opportunity you've got something to shoot at it with the gun that you have ready 
Um, cause it's always faster to do that than it is to try to swip, switch weapons and well, uh, way there, faster than trying to swipe your ammo out of one gun. And yeah, you know. uh, the interface is a little jank. Uh, there are prick points, which will help, uh, swapping weapons a lot faster. Uh, well, I, I guess we haven't really talked about perk or skill points at all, really. So that's kind of the gamification of the, uh, of the sim aspect. Is as you level up, which is based off the trophy rating. So if you get good kills, you, you level up faster. You get skill points and perk points, which are two completely separate things. Perk points are more focused on weapons, either individual class of weapons or a particular thing for all weapons. Like there's one early on in handguns that allows you to sprint and reload with all weapons. Extremely which, handy. Yeah, especially if you're you know you're trying to run around like a you know a grove of trees to get one more shot off. Uh you know, you could uh reload while you're doing that to have an entire clip instead of you know having you know maybe two or three shots, right? Yeah. Uh there's uh, one that uh, reduces uh, uh, wob- oh, you know, aim wobble, well, one while you're just in aim mode, but also ones that reduce recoil, one that uh, reduce uh, wobble while uh, tracking with the, uh, with the gun. So uh, picking up the, uh, the proper perks for your style of play is very important. Traits, on the other hand, there's a lot of traits that just feel kind of useless especially yeah. high up in the trees there's traits that feel necessary and then there's traits that feel useless like the necessary traits are the ones that are like whenever you're stalking an animal you get more um information from its tracks like a, a more narrow direction on on cone of travel or whenever you're um examining a blood trail it gives you information about the health of the animal you know, how quickly it's bleeding out, its approximate health remaining, or whenever you uh, start tracking an animal using your binoculars can give you more information about its weight, its trophy status, so that if you've got a herd and you know you're only going to be able to get one guaranteed shot, like picking out the one that's going to be the best, you know, that kind of deal. Like, those all feel necessary. And then there's perks that are like, earn 5% more money from missions. Yeah, which sounds really great until you realize... That's like 50 bucks, right? Yeah, yeah it's not uh, a lot. Uh, uh, a good example is like, uh, well, tag, which allows you while you're in aim mode to tag an animal to be able to see the outline of it and also get information on it as a useful one compared to like, uh, um, now, now I'm just, I'm looking here and it's like, oh God, like Kaggle where, it's deep in the ambusher tree, and it just knocks off a little bit of cash off of. Uh, it's a five percent uh, st- uh, store reduction on price, five percent, right? Which can be useful. Uh, yeah, but that's but... that's in game. That's uh, that's the very end of the ambusher tree. Yeah, which by that point you've got all of your. Pr- you know, I mean, maybe not every weapon, but you've got probably a, a decent loadout you're probably a decent enough hunter that you're not going to be going broke all the time for ammunition. Mm-hmm. 
So it feels like if that perk was at the beginning of the tree, I mm-hmm. might make a better case for it. But yeah, but you know, by the time you get to the end of the tree, your level, I don't know, 25, 30, it, and that's only if you stick to that one tree the entire time instead of yeah, mixing I'm, and matching between the different trees. Yeah, I'm level 42, 43, which once you get past level, I think it's 36, instead of a perk point and a skill point every other level, alternating, uh, I should say, uh, uh, like I think it's uh, leveling up from uh, 1 to 2, it's a skill point, uh, 2 to 3, it's a perk point. And it alternates like that. I couldn't have it backwards, but... Hmm. Uh, at 36, you start getting one every three levels, alternating. So it slows down drastically, but also by that point, you know, you're getting pretty good kills, and you're able to kind of prioritize just what you want. So right? Yeah. And then there's the active skills, which... uh sound great, but you could only have one active skill at a time. So I chose out of, I think it's the rifle tree, zeroing. So all guns are zero to a particular range. You don't know what it is until you go to Hirschfeld and at the rifle range and figure it out. Alright? It just doesn't tell you. Zeroing allows you, depending on the number of points you put in, to unlock a shorter uh, zeroing and then a longer zeroing. And it also tells you exactly what you're zeroed to. So I think the uh, AR-10 that I use, the uh, Moonlight, it uh, is zeroed naturally to 162 yards. Or 162 or 164, something like that. Which it probably is a nice rounder number in metric. But, right? We're Americans. Yeah, freedom units. And I can zero it down to, I think it's... Uh, 60 yards or zero it out to 300 and some change. Which, for making a very long distance shot, zeroing it out and then making a smaller adjustment compared to a larger adjustment to the 162 makes, you know, hitting an, let's say, an alligator in the side of the head at 270 yards a lot easier. Yep. I don't but, have you know, That's probably the next one that I'm going to get, you, honestly. You need, you need zeroing. Trust me. It makes life so much easier. Even if you just have one point in it so that you know exactly where that crosshair is, right? Yeah. Um, but you can only have one active skill, well, activated. So there's some in the tree that's like, uh, uh, let's pick one almost at random, startle call. So that allows you to have, this is in the um, the stalker tree, very late, uh, last one in the stalker tree. Uh, I think it's uh, one entering the tree, and then, then tier two on has a choice of three, and then it's one, three, or sorry, one, four, six, nine, and then 12 points in a particular tree to unlock the next tier. I could be mistaken on the exact numbers, but yeah, you're dumping a lot of points in. Startle Call allows you to use the activate skill to essentially startle the animal to make it just freeze in place for a moment. But then after a short time, they realize something's wrong and then flees. Really good for like a uh, animal that's traveling to make them stop so you can take a shot easier. 
But yeah, you're swapping out zeroing for another skill. So you see how it's kind of you know, hampers you, right? Yeah. Or you know, like wind predictions, another one where it's another skill that's an active skill that allows you to see you know how the wind's going to change. So if you know you realize you're going to be at a bad spot before too long, uh, you could try to uh, uh, figure out okay. Do I take a riskier shot or do I, you know, am I safe? Right. But once again, an active skill, you can only have one at a time. So if you have one that you prefer over it, well, shall luck, right? Yeah. But I'm trying to think guns, missions, gameplay mechanics, skills, multiplayer. Are we missing anything? Uh, how about general thoughts on the maps themselves? Oh, I really love all of the maps. I mean, I've certainly yeah. got, you know, ones that are quote-unquote, quote, my least favorites. Yeah, but I do. even they are really good. Yeah, I do feel like there's not really a dud map outside of, you know, ones that are crashing right now because, you know, uh, in-game bug. Uh, I didn't, like I said, I did not touch the Savannah at all. But all of them are so varied. It's actually really impressive. There's... Such a variety of uh, animals as well. Even though some of them could be like rebrands of the same ones. Like, yeah, European bison and plains bison, right? Yeah. But then you have Cape buffalo, water buffalo, and lions all in class nine. Uh, some of the classes are a little under, uh, you know, underrepresented. Obviously, the big ones uh, are, don't have a lot of, uh, or the larger animals don't have a lot of options. Uh, but yeah, like class four has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen uh, different species across all the maps, right? Yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, on a bell curve, most of your animals or most of your species are going to fall into that mid range, four, five, six. Range. Uh, well, there, well, there's uh, twenty seven class one animals. Really? Yeah. Uh, cinnamon teal, Eurasian teal. Eurasian wingut, golden birds. eye. Yeah, birds. What's throwing it off is birds. Harlequin ducks, mar- mallards, tufted duck, Canadian geese, uh, Boje goose, tundra bean goose, black gouse, hazel gals, western uh, Casper Cali. Uh, and I know I'm butchering a lot of these, but the thing is, I don't care. Rock Fairlongen, uh, willow Fairlongen. Bob White Quail, which is my bane of my existence in, in Mississippi. Uh, Ring-necked Pheasant, which that one actually has to be shot out of the air, uh, which is why I didn't get very far in Mexico, because they wanted you to do that, and it's just like, I got other things I gotta do. There's three different types of turkeys, Marians, Rio Grande, and Eastern Wild, which, it, it was funny watching ghosts get tormented by turkeys. Uh, Eastern Cardinal Rapid, uh, Antelope Jack Rapid, Europe- uh, European Rabbit, European Hare, White-tailed uh, Jack Rabbit, Mountain Hare, and Shrub Hare. They added a lot of uh, birds with uh, uh, Rattler Coast. I mean, a, a shocking amount. It has the most diversity of any map at all. Yeah. Which uh, the subreddit on uh, Reddit, because of course it has a subreddit, everything does, uh, has a data sheet for every single one. 
and it kind of broke the uh, template that the person uses because it, you know, there's just so many different types of birds there. I think there's something like 19 different species on that map when typically you see you know, like 6 to 10 uh, huntable species on a map previously. But yeah, just the diversity of the maps overall. I will say some are a lot harder than others. Uh, I did find Mississippi uh, trying to stalk things was a lot more difficult because of crunchy grass. Uh, Silver uh, uh, Ridge Peaks has a lot of nice open areas that sometimes makes it feel like it's a shooting gallery if you catch the right travel times. Yeah. But it also makes it yeah nice to generate money. Because I accidentally hit my mic stand. Oh. My mic stand got turned around, so I kind of hit it with the chair. Uh, but yeah, I'm actually most of the way done with that, those missions now that I think about it, I think. Um, Mexico, I just hit like a dead end hunting pheasants because I wasn't in the mood to hunt birds. Uh, but yeah, Mexico feels very different to really any of the other maps. Uh, the South American map, uh, feels very different from the Mexican map. They do a really good job of just getting like local flavor down, uh, down pat. Mississippi has like a lot of like little nods to like you know, redneck culture, right? Yeah. Like going into some of those uh, outpost trailers and just seeing what people do to like alligator heads and uh, deer heads. There's one that like has an, uh, antlers uh, uh, on their uh, deer trophy holding up a dartboard. There'd be another one where. There's, uh, like, a beer can stacking on an alligator head. I mean, not all of them are like that, obviously. Um, yeah. They're... The devs had fun with it. The, the, yeah. art, art, uh, the artists had fun with those. Oh, definitely. Uh, Medved, the Russian map, has, you know, your kind of stereotypical Russian. <laughs> but talking about conservation and, you know, and anthrax, because, right... Yeah, and climate change actually on that one. Climate change. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't get to do too much in New Zealand because that's one that was crashing on me. But it was trying to talk about, uh, yeah, making New Zealand not seem like a uh, Hobbiton, <laughs> right? Yeah, you know, could respect that one. But yeah, overall, while all the maps are roughly the same size, they are vastly different. And as you progress through the you know, newer maps, they add more features. Like uh, Mississippi has the ability to look at certain, uh, you know, items, uh, which is carried all. Actually, Mississippi wasn't the first one. I think it was actually New Zealand that introduced that feature. But Mississippi made it part of the actual story, and uh, um, Finland, uh, the latest one. Uh, has a bit of it, but it's not as much. Uh, but uh, Mississippi introduced the ability to have boats that would take you across certain paths that, that allow you to shortcut. But there's no indication on the map, you know, where those are. While Finland has the same thing, but actually introduced, you know, icons to properly mark them. Which hopefully they'll go back and do that to Mississippi because, right? Yeah, I haven't found any of those boats in Mississippi yet. I I, I swear they're there. I used them myself. No, it's not, I believe it's not, it. It's not an internet river. Uh, you basically have to look for, like, uh, there are white boats that's on the waterline. 
that's actually in the uh, in the water, not just yeah, like pulled up on the land. There's uh, a couple like near some of the outposts. Uh, I will say that I think hunting wise, I really enjoyed like Silver Ridge Peaks the most, along with the Yukon, just because uh, both the uh, both them offered a lot of different uh, animals to hunt. Yeah. Silver Ridge Peaks and the Savannah are probably my two favorites so far. Yeah, see, I didn't touch the Savannah. Uh, I didn't care too much about uh, Relatively Coast, but that's mostly because I think I went into it expecting not so much of a focus on uh, you know, bird hunting. Which, yeah, that, that was my fault. You know, If I go into it properly outfitted, because I went... I went without a class one rifle uh, equipped or a class one shotgun and trying to bird hunt without that. Yeah, you might as well not. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've done a bit of bird hunting with the uh, 22 pistol. Um, but birds that I've shot that are not on the ground has been a little bit more luck than anything. Yeah. See, I did goose hunting a bit, which was actually on uh, Hirschfelden. Uh, the Eastern European map. Yeah. Uh, with a proper blonde and uh, lures and just calling them in. And it was a really good way to just power a level and get a lot of cash really quickly. But they, I, I don't want to say nerfed it. They made it not as quick, but it's still there. Because, you know, geese are very large and slow animals to fly. Duck hunting is a an utter bitch to try to do, though. Yeah, I haven't done any duck hunting yet. I, I had to turkeys, do. Deer, you have to do a bison. little bit of it. You have to do a little bit of it in the Yukon, and oh boy, right? Yeah. So we got a who boy. We ended up talking about this game for a lot longer than I think either of us really expected. Yeah. So let's let's wrap this with a. I, I think the answer is yes, you do. But do you recommend this game? Uh, yes, with the caveat that go into it on a Steam sale, and I would say look at the weapon packs. It does break a little bit of the progression, but the progression is very sluggish otherwise. And maybe the hunting dog, or yeah, have the hunting dog like the next Steam sale, because it is very, very nice to be able to uh, the dog uh, essentially uh, well it gets better as you level because uh, of course it does uh, it's so that you could follow a blood trail a lot easier while you can do it in the base game without a, a dog it is a little bit hit or miss yeah and I would actually suggest you know if you don't have friends that play it uh, go on multiplayer and try out some of the maps and pick up a map or two that you like Look at you know some of the charts online to see what uh, is available on each map, but the two base game maps do offer enough hunting, I think, to you know kind of dip your toes in the water. Yeah, it's, def- it's definitely how I kind of approach Euro Truck and American Truck Simulator these days, where look at it, especially at a Steam sale. Yeah, so I'm gonna give this game pretty much a full recommend, um, although. If you're not going to wait until a Steam sale to buy all of the DLCs, try and play it on like Game Pass or something first. 
Um, just like, I, I don't think that this game is worth its full asking price without a bunch of the DLC. At the very least, the uh, dog DLC and any weapon packs that you want. But I mean, pick it up on the next time it's on sale on Steam for, you know, 50 bucks or less for the entire thing. Like, can't go wrong. I mean, you've played it for more than I have, but I think I've played yeah. it for, how long have I played it? 50 hours, and I've not even seen half of what this game has to offer. Oh, I haven't even felt like I've uh, completely seen one map. Yeah. And while, you know, you can uh, argue that the maps are very big for how slow you walk, you know, that's kind of the point of it. Think of it as more like a nature uh, uh, walking simulator where occasionally you blow the head off Bugs Bunny. Yeah. So but yeah, definitely, definitely a Steam sale game though to, to me. Yeah, I think the uh, the individual reserves go down to sub five bucks, which even if you're just doing the missions, well worth that. I agree. So, Rage, would you like to tell our uh, good friends what their next what the next game club game is going to be? So the next game club game, we're dabbling in the emulation again. Well, at least. One of us is. So, we're going into the Pokebands. When we were doing the choosing, I kind of threw it in partly as a lark and partly as a suggestion from my significant other. And we ended up talking about it so much that it's like, yo, at this point, we have to do it, right? So, we are going to be looking at the seventh generation of the Pokebands, which is the last that's easily emulatable assuming that's the proper term for able to be emulated uh, Pokemon Ultra Sun slash Ultra Moon this is the last of the handheld Pokemon games before they went to the Switch where it's kind of that ambiguous console slash ho- uh, handheld hybrid thing that they have going on yeah so it's going to be an interesting one. I'm actually already a good part of the way through this game. <laughs> I am not, but I will be. So, yeah, that will be our game club for August. Pokemon's Sun and Moon. Um, yeah, which we'll be recording that on August 30th, uh, barring any curses. Right. Um... So looking at our topic list and our time, let's pick from the list a couple of must-talkabouts. Just because I, I figure by the time we get through a couple of them, it will be like 1230. Yeah. And sadly, I have to be responsible and go to sleep so I can go to work tomorrow. Yeah, and we'll have to save the a, a vast majority of this for next week. I say, but of course, we're not cursed. Yeah. So I, they're way out of order. Um I'll let you pick. I want to very briefly talk about the first NFT game console. <laughs> uh, so uh, the told... the the Ouya NFT, right? Yeah. So I mean, I'm just gonna straight up say it. Like, I mean, there's a news article you can go read about it. This is gonna be a rug pull for anyone who's not familiar with that term um, or the phrase that it's come, yeah, colloquial phrase that it comes from to pull the rug out from under someone. It, it's a scam. Um, this is something that its hardware looks impossible, impractical. They've taken the GameCube logo, and I, I'm alleging that they have flipped the GameCube logo upside down, changed the colors on it, 
and then like erased one small portion of it to make it look more like a a P in there uh, for the yeah yeah pol- it took them all thirty seconds right. Yeah, but I mean, what this is, is they've got this news article. It's the first NFT game console. They're generating hype. They're going to sell a whole bunch of their Ethereum-based cryptocurrency, and then they're just going to take the money and run, a.k.a. pull the rug out from under whatever hyped-up or desperate investors spend money on this cryptocurrency thing for a console that, that, that you know, is, is vaporware. Um, and what you mean a console that's only slightly bigger than uh, than the totally not DualShock controller that they're showing? Yeah, uh, it, uh, that uh, that it won't be capable of. And uh, quote, uh, 8K HDR at 120 FPS with ray tracing. Yeah, to I mean to give context, you know. He's not he's not joking when he says the the quote unquote console is only slightly larger than the controller, which is very clearly copied of the PlayStation DualShock controller. I mean, this thing I could, you know, if they said this was a streaming set top box or this was like a Roku thing, but for video games, that would make it more believable. Um, still, I would think it was a scam because it's connected to cryptocurrency, but it would make it more plausible. But saying it's going to be a high-powered console that can do those things, like, no, it's not. It absolutely is not. There's no not enough space to fit the hardware in the teeny tiny box. It's a scam. I don't think any of our listeners do crypto investment. Don't invest in this. Don't do it. You're wasting your money. You're going to wind up scammed. They're saying the console is going to launch in the third quarter of 2024, which is in approximately two years from right now. Um, and they don't even have a prototype yet. Like this thing will not get built full stop. Uh, I'd stake uh, my uh, reputation on it. Uh, but there's a whole four people working on it. I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are a whole four people working on this scam and they stand to split what they hope will be millions of dollars in investor capital. Well, well, here's also the thing is that, okay, the pre-orders are not open yet because, of course, they're not. But in order to pre-order it, you have to have the NFT token that they're selling 10000 of, right? Yeah. Uh, so you have to buy your ticket in order to pre-order your totally not GameCube uh, ripoff. Uh, okay, is it just me? Uh, I'm looking at the mock-up of the controller. But uh, is it just me or is the uh, the error indicators on that totally uh, not PS4 uh, uh, D-pad uh, seem like they're off center, or is it just yeah uh, you know I've had too much coffee? Uh, hang on, uh, let me go look at this. I like that down arrow. Looks like it's like you know floating off and off that uh, D-pad. I I realize there's no physical controller for arm to take a picture of, but. Also, is there something weird about the reflection on that as well? It looks weird. Also, I just realized they've got all of the arrows facing the wrong direction. Uh, Well, I was so uh, focused on the fact that they're off-center, right? Yeah. The the the, left uh, D-pad arrow points right, right points left, 
up points down and down points up. Well, everything's backwards in NFT land, don't you know? You know what? So, so, Touche. Sort of like how a reflection somehow shows the complete backside of the controller. That's the opposite of where it's setting on its white you know, void that you know, John Oliver just escaped, right? <laughs> yes, that's an old joke, but yes. It's an older meme, but it checks out. I mean, this looks like just a, a very bad prototype render of... Uh, th- th- they put less effort into this than they did their logo, and their logo is a, a, allegedly a, a complete ripoff of uh, the uh, GameCube logo. Yeah. Oh, man. I was about to, to join the Discord, and the link is invalid. No! I was going to do science. God, everybody is tearing this thing apart in the Twitter replies. <laughs> it's beautiful. I like this comment on the article. I'm just going to wait for the Soldier Boy version. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, scams all the way down. Right? Yeah. Oh, a tweet reply. I bring you all a message from the future. This shit bombed worse than the Ouya. That's all. Uh, well, I did mention the Ouya a couple of times, right? Yes, you did. Which, at least the Ouya, it was a functional product. It wasn't a great one, partly because it... Uh, oh, the Ouya, it, it's one of those things that it sounds okay on paper, but then you start to realize what's actually playing. And yeah. it, The Ouya, for those who don't remember that piece of shit, it was essentially an Android phone in a box that played, you know, mobile games. But the thing is, mostly mobile games are meant to be picked up and play and put down. You know, you're not wanting to have a dedicated console for it. And two, they're usually meant for a touchscreen. While there are mobile games out there that has game uh, game controller support of some sort, there are few and far between. Um, right? Yeah. I knew ya, actually. I got it as a present from my aunt or my grandmother. One of the people in my family who doesn't understand technology. And as a present to, like, mess with, it was kind of neat. But then it was like, okay, I have no use for this. Like, if I had bought it, I'd be weight. very disappointed. It's but a I mean, paperweight it was, now. Yeah. And it, for the time that it came out, I think there was a hope that mobile games were going to be better. More like games. <laughs> you know? Right. And so there were a few games that were like, play this game. And there was one that was like a Gears of War type game, I remember. And um, one that was like a first person uh rpg type game I don't, I don't remember the specific titles for them that's you know how much they stuck out yeah. and they were like okay this is okay and then at the time it was a neat it was a neat concept of like oh i've got this android based device plugged into my tv i can run certain apps on it you know i mean now there's you know roku and 15 billion other you know sort of android based or sort of app cloud powered devices that can plug into your tv if you don't have a smart TV, which has all that stuff built in, like it was a neat idea. And maybe if they had refined it some more. Well, the Ouya also banked on uh, the initial trend of mobile gaming where an actually polished game being sold for a very small chunk of change. Uh, 
to actually be played instead of, you know, you know getting microtransactioned to death. Yeah. Which they really couldn't bank on because they were going through essentially the Google Play Store and being like a, uh, you know, a front man for it. I know that they had their own store, but, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, most people would just load up stuff from Google Play on it. And, you know, they weren't getting money from that. So they weren't getting that revenue stream that they would have otherwise, but they really banked on people buying into, like, a five-buck game to, you know, uh, play for the afternoon. But, yeah, you know, bubble gaming didn't go that direction. They went with, uh, you know, microtransactions to hell. I could, I mean, I don't see a specific case for this, but I feel like a, the Ouya would be more better suited to the current time frame because of the popularity of Fortnite and um, PUBG. Maybe, like, a couple years ago, actually, that might be better. But, you know, being mobile titles, like, you know, Ouya might work a little bit better in that context. But if you're going to be sitting in your living room, why not play on a console, like an actual dedicated games console, which would play the game better, or a PC? Like, so I could both see a use case for it, and then it automatically, like, immediately falls apart when you're like, well, these other devices do it better. Yeah, Ouya was just weirdly placed in the market. Yeah, well, well. Fortnite's a kind of a bad example because they didn't even have controller support for quite a while. So they forced you to use on-screen controls, which the Ouya couldn't use. Um, I would say that the Ouya would be better these days if it could have been a streaming box, you know? Yeah. Uh, especially, uh, you know, I mean, the U.S. is a bad example of this just because so far spread out and infrastructure falling apart. But, yeah, the European model where, you know, actually putting money into public uh, you know, infrastructure and a lot tighter population uh, or a lot higher population density where it made sense for it makes more sense for streaming gaming, you know? Oh, so just yeah, I just went on eBay and searched for Ouya just because I want to see what you could buy one for. <laughs> And one of the top results, Ouya Game Console with controller and power cord and box tested and working, has got a little sticker on it that says, thank you for believing. Oh, poor Ouya. Oh, Ouya, right. I kind of want one. I want, I want one as a project to see what I can do with an Ouya. Ooh, I wonder if they, well, no, but why? I was going to say, I wonder if it would make a nice little emulation box. But one, I still have and use the Raspberry Pi that you gave me a few years ago. But also, I could just plug in any PC that I have. I have a bunch. Any PC to a TV and boom, emulation box. Man, I want to like the Ouya because it's got a silly name. I I mean, hell, if you wanted an emulation box, uh, you could even take the Raspberry Pi that you have and just swap out the memory card. Yeah. I wonder if I can buy a new one on Amazon. Let's look. Ooh, I can't not. even remember how they spelled it. <laughs> O-U-Y-A. Ooh, yeah. Nope. Can't buy one on Amazon. So I'd have to buy it on eBay. Okay, so hacking the ooh, yeah. There's an entire subreddit dedicated to this because, of course, there of is. Of course there is. Or, or at least to the ooh, yeah. Which, oh, this ought to be fun. Let's see how active the ooh, yeah subreddit is. Actually more active than I thought. Uh, I mean, are... I'm not going to buy one right now, but I'm going to put this on my wa- my eBay watch list, and then I, I, as soon I mean, as I, I mean, it's not terribly active, but it's somewhat active. 
Yeah, as soon as I see a complete kit pop up for, let's say, 25 bucks, I'm going to buy it. And then who knows what kind of wacky adventures me and my new buddy Ouya will get into. Uh, <laughs> I'd spend twenty five dollars on that. I'd I'd get twenty five or I'd get twenty five bucks worth of entertainment out of an afternoon with an Ouya. I thought you said that you were given one. What did you give it away? Oh shit, dude! I don't know what happened to that. That was two moves ago. <laughs> Maybe it's in a box somewhere. Your buddy just waiting for you. It's believing in you. Ouya released in two thousand thirteen. Yeah, that was two. Two places that I lived ago, I could have sold it. It could have got lost. It could have been thrown in the trash. I could have given it to some. Who knows? I haven't seen it in years, though. So either it's really buried or it's long gone. I'll try and find it, but I don't think I have it anymore. I mean, all the uh, uh, official stuff is shut down uh, server-wise. But- yeah. Oh yeah, hack a day. Oh boy, right. This is uh oh boy. This is somebody making a handheld out of the Uya. As in like uh large Game Boy Advance style. Interesting. Alright, do you have a news topic you want to pick to discuss, or do you want to just call it there for the week? Uh well, Let's quickly touch on this one, and then we could uh, save uh, the community stuff for next week. Okay. Our buddy Evolve is back from the dead. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, uh, you know, dead things, right? It lives. So, so Evolve Two, uh, sorry, Evolve Stage Two, uh, had its peer-to-peer servers turned back on. Uh, this was. Actually, in uh, June, but it's kind of just making the news uh, cycle right now. Uh, there's been a dedicated uh, Discord of uh, fans, also known as probably the entire player base, when they turned off the uh, uh, servers. Uh, basically pestering 2K to turn on the servers, you know? Or at least yeah. release some sort of patch to allow them to do peer-to-peer matching, matchmaking. And... Uh, they, uh, you know, turned them back on. Now they, you have to have or have had the game. I, I'm not sure if you could even download it. I know it was free to play for a long time, but I think they delisted it, at least on Steam. So yeah, I'm not seeing it. So if you have it on <laughs> Steam or wherever, you're able to do peer-to-peer matchmaking again. There obviously is, you know. Uh, a lot easier if you contact the people on this Discord, which you can find in the show notes uh, if you wish to you know, talk to these people. But uh, okay, we we made fun of Evolve. We've made fun of Evolve a lot for years. I mean, it it was a running jag, a gag for a long time. It still is, but right, yeah, but. Well, seeing the dedication of a fan base to actually get, you know, a major publisher to take care enough to, you know, even just flip a switch to, you know, turn back on uh, matchmaking, uh, that, you know, gotta applaud, them for, uh, applaud the fan base for doing that, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we've made fun of it for a long time, but I'm a, I've always been a big pro- proponent of like what you like. Mm-hmm. And they're 
clearly is a dedicated, passionate fan base or community for this game that really enjoys it. And you know what? Good for them. Like, kick ass, guys, for getting a a major, like you said, major publisher, major developer to, you know, f- get this working again for them. Good job. I don't, I don't understand why you picked this game, but like what you like. No shame. I like plenty of things. I mean, that- Evolve is a unique title. I will give them that. Because, yeah, there, there's not very many asymmetric multiplayer games to begin with. So having something like uh, this that's a kind of a competitive slash co-op, I could see it, uh, why somebody would latch on to it. I will say that the gameplay loop seems massively flawed, that they uh, should have had a more active gameplay loop uh, instead of hide and go seek. But, right? Yeah. Well, that's just me, right? Yeah, I remember playing it a long time ago, but I mean, it's been five years since I played it, something like that. Like, I played, it had like an open beta or a trial weekend or something like that. I know it was free to play for a while, but I didn't play it when it was free to play. Yeah, I didn't either. I didn't really bother with it because, right? Yeah. Because, like I said, well, also, they had... I think they massively underestimated just how gross their uh, uh, their marketing was because they went all in on DLC. They uh, got really nasty with it. Uh, well, I shouldn't say even DLC. It was all microtransactions. Uh, that and uh, really unbouncing the game with uh, some of the monsters that were locked behind, essentially the collector's edition, which was stupidly expensive, plus day one DLC and microtransactions. Yeah. I do wonder, how would the game do today with how, you know, people have kind of gotten acclimated to this? Uh, would there be as big an outcry? Uh, I, I mean, there. So. I mean, I mean, there was a lot of a, a, a lot of day one stuff, but it wasn't nearly. Yeah, yeah. It's not something we haven't seen since, right? Yeah, as crazy as that is, right? Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, good on them. Uh, you actually got. Uh, you actually won. Congratulations! You get to play Evolve. Hooray! you know what that's what they wanted good for them they got what they wanted (laughs) I don't have to understand it I can just respect it well you know what I could do I could tell them to get off my goddamn lawn true you can do that alright well Rage where can people send us stuff if they want to to have a chance at getting it included in the show well, you could do so over at vglpodcast at gmail.com. You could tweet us to us over at uh, vglpodcast on the Twitter. Or or you could drop by the Discord, which is a link over at, on vglpodcast.podbean.com. And we had a lot of stuff for Game Club this past week. Or this past uh, month, I should say. Uh, and just seeing people you know, <laughs> uh, shooting bears in the ass, right? Right. <laughs> Gotta get those ten bear asses. 
we didn't really cover too much of what was said, uh, to be honest, but, uh, you know, it was a, a great discussion uh, going back and forth. So if you're not part of the Discord, you know, uh, go hit that link. Yeah. All right. Hey, Rage, why don't you uh, hit him with the socials? Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me occasionally tweeting over at uh, Gaming CR. Or if you wish to be my friend, you could find me over at Caffeine Rage on Steam. And you've been? I have been Jared. You can find me over on Twitter at JMA4707. Um, on, you know, join the Discord. Uh, you can message me on there or on Steam, uh, JArthur4707. Or if you want to watch Tablestop streams of things, you can go Table over stop. to Tablestop. You can go over to twitch.tv slash runic arts where that I play and tabletop games um, when I'm available to. Um, and we're going to be starting a new vampire campaign relatively soon. Are you going to still be a, uh, your usual dick or are you going to be a new dick? I'm going to be a whole new level of dick. I am a self insert uh, character you, in the game. So, you never um, mentioned uh, what happened to your. Uh, uh, old character, did you finally get your comeuppance or what? Um, we we killed Jack the Ripper, who was the big bad evil guy from the campaign. He was a vampire. We killed him. Um, my character did not get his comeuppance per se. I mean, he got hurt really badly. Um, but he essentially got recruited by one of the other players who gained like who became like royalty. Um. And was like, hey, you're really good at being sneaky. Like, you should come be my spy master. And my character was like, yes, I want to do this. Because if I don't, I'm fucked. I'm going to be hunted by... Now that, like, I fulfilled my deal and helped to kill Jack the Ripper, if I don't do something that gets me protection, I'm going to be hunted for the rest of my unnatural life. So I avoided my comeuppets by taking a new job. Yeah, but I played enough Crusader Kings to know that, you know, the Spymaster eventually fucks you over. That's true. That is true. And if we ever come back to the campaign, we might find out. Find out next time on Dragon Ball Z. Yes. But yeah, that's that's my stuff. So, once again, you can email us at podcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics. Tweet them to us at podcast on a said Twitter. Or drop out the Discord, which you can find a link to that over at bglpodcast.podbean.com. And if you wish to spread the love, you can find us on your podcatcher of choice. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this madness possible. You can find out more about that over at patreon.com slash podcast. Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kim McLeod. You can find his work over at incomputech.com. And as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. Uh, see ya.